Another podcast brought to you by Team Porker. I'm excited about today. I think I say that every week. It's probably because I am genuinely stoked to host conversations that we can't find out online with great ease and the vulnerabilities and the candor that come from heartfelt conversations. And it's really exciting to me that they can happen anywhere on the pod, regardless of geography. This is a conversation with someone who I met recently at the W North conference that was hosted in Whistler. And it's about the stigmas and the relationship that we specifically as females have with alcohol. Over a dinner, she very candidly shared, hey, I don't drink and I quit drinking eight years ago. And everyone else around the table didn't think twice about drinking. And it gave me pause for thought to say, how inclusive is this dinner really? And how can we be of greater contribution to making sure that everyone around our tables feel welcome and equally included. This is a conversation with April. She's a pure delight. And one of the things we failed to cover in this podcast was our mutual love for our dear friend, Jared. So if he's listening, this is a big shout out and a virtual hug to you, Jared. We miss your guts. Better said, I miss your guts because you get to work with April every darn day. I hope you enjoy this one. April, welcome to the pod. I'm so grateful that you said yes to jumping on to riff and you didn't even know what we were going to riff on until only moments ago. I trust you. I trust you. Thank you for having me. I am grateful. Before we dive in, I would love you to introduce yourself to our listeners and you can share whatever you would like. Sure, that sounds good. So again, thanks for having me, Steph. My name is April Hickey. Um, I am a mom of two very busy boys. I'm the Director of Digital Product Operations at ATB Financial here in Calgary, Alberta. I'm a City Director for W North in Calgary, which is how we met, of course, at the W North Conference. I'm also Vice President of Young Women in Business Calgary. And if I'm not running around busy with my family, you could probably find me at my cabin hanging out in a hammock or on a plane somewhere, anywhere. (laughs) On a plane somewhere, anywhere. I love that. That feels truly comprehensive of boys and hammocks and digital marketing. I mean, I get how it all comes together. And to me, it just feels like one full cup. And what a perfect segue of one full cup, because what I really wanted to riff with you on is alcohol. And I want to riff with you on alcohol because it feels like a conversation we are not having often enough period. And on the other side of the pandemic, it feels like it really deserves more voice, a louder voice than ever before. Absolutely. And I just want to provide some context that we did meet at W North and we Mm -hmm. were in Whistler and it was fantastic. And the venue is gorgeous. And it was so thoughtfully curated. And what I heard over the series of several days was dot, 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 but I don't drink, but I don't drink, but I don't drink. And as we plan events and we think of happy hours and we think of minglers and we think of dinners, it really occurred to me, are we keeping in mind the people that choose not to drink? Mm -hmm. And just like we would think about accessibility and we want diversity, it really caught me in my tracks that I was like, I don't know that we're putting that thought 
toward these events. And now people are leaving their homes, they're leaving Zoom. And when we gather, how are we keeping that top of mind? And so I wanted to chat with you about it because you were so beautifully open about your experience with alcohol at our dinner. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if we can start there. Your experience, you know, what caused you to quit drinking eight years ago? For sure. Yeah, thanks. And again, I'm thank you for having this conversation on this topic. I still think that the only way we can remove some of the stigmas in having these conversations is just by doing this and talking about it openly. Yeah. So, I mean, eight years ago, which is crazy to think now that that's how long it's been since I had a drink, but eight years ago, I had a lot on my plate. I was actually going through a divorce. I had lost two people very close to me. Things were just happening really quick. And I found that I was using alcohol as a crutch and anytime. And I often say this to people, if you thinks that you might have a problem with alcohol, the only thing to do is try and limit yourself and see if you actually can or not. And it got to a point for me where I couldn't go without Pinot Grigio. I needed it every evening to get through my evenings. Growing up in an alcoholic household, I didn't want that same life for my children. So making that decision was tough because I had an idea in my mind of what an alcoholic looked like or someone who had a problem with drinking. And it certainly wasn't me. I had you know, a good job. I never had a DUI. I didn't get fired. I, nothing bad ever really happened to me. And I spent a lot of time making sure that everything looked okay on the outside. So you couldn't see that things really didn't feel good on the inside. And, you know, I was in a position where I just, I was really lonely and really tired. And I was just sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. So that decision uh, that I made, it was on February 1st. And I had decided I just, I didn't want to end up the same way that the parents that I once had would be. And there's been days where it's been tough, but since that day, I've really never looked back. My life has just continuously gotten better and better and better that I just, I couldn't imagine going back to leaning on booze again, the way that I once did. Mm. Well, We'll take a beat to acknowledge that (laughs) and appreciate that these aren't stories we hear all the time. And I so appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty in sharing. And while you say, and and we believe and know that you don't look back, it doesn't change the environment that you still live in, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, mommy equals wine, tough days equal margaritas, networking events. You're part of women's networking events. And something tells me that many of these are surrounded by alcohol. And so how did that shift for you? I mean, early on, it was difficult. Truly, I, I avoided a lot of events just because I wasn't sure how I was going to react or how comfortable I was going to feel. I ensured that I always had, I always drove myself. I always had a friend with me who would be ready to leave. I know the first event I ever went to after I quit drinking was the Motion Ball Gala. It's a large gala here in Calgary that happens every year. And I brought a girlfriend with me who's not a big drinker. And I knew that when I said I was ready to go, that she would be ready to go with me. So in the early stages of my sobriety, it was definitely, you know, careful steps because like you said, I mean, alcohol is everywhere. If you are out and about at any restaurant or out with your friends or anything, unfortunately, alcohol, I mean, Alcohol is the center of a lot. And whether you have a problem with alcohol or not, I mean, it doesn't always make things better, you know? And Mm -hmm. I I still think um, as much as our culture has shifted away from it, I find that it is a little more trendy not to drink than it once was eight years ago. It's still 
in the center of everything we do. And ever since I quit drinking and really gained my voice in speaking about drinking, which was just the past four years, I've had many, many women, like you said, approach me and ask me, how do I quit? How do I stop? How do I have conversations with people and ask them not to bring booze into my house? Or how do I throw a party and not have alcohol and not make people mad, which you've experienced, which you shared, mm-hmm. right? So I think, yeah, it's been interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'll just share that story quickly that you alluded to, because then I want to hear your experience as well on the other side. And I might have even shared this on the podcast previously. One of the first Disrupt HR events we hosted, I thought one of the most disruptive things we could have done is not serve alcohol and serve a plant-based meal. And we curated speakers and, and had a really fabulous evening. It was, it was excellent. It quickly went on to become the largest chapter of Disrupt HR in the world. So incredible. Mm -hmm. And the feedback we received loud, glaring, and sometimes even rageful was, except you didn't have alcohol and I don't eat just plants. And it gave me pause for thought around if these are people, some are leading HR organizations and some are, you know, just in the working world. What does that say if we can't go out after work to an event, they were hydrated, they were fed great, healthy, nutritious food, and it wasn't alcohol and it wasn't fried animal product. And it stuck with me. And I thought, how do you ride the most disruptive line and honor both, you know, your own, I guess, values and beliefs and make space for people because it's like alcohol is the commonality. And if you don't drink, then you're on the outside. I'm like, what Mm -hmm. if we made it okay for everyone to just drink the same things? How would that feel? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it really woke me up and perhaps I have a harder time appreciating the people that must have a drink to socialize. And I really feel for those that don't want to have a drink and how do we help them still stay socially competent and not need social lubrication? Yeah. Um, I find that so, yeah, that's so curious too, because I, I often ask people, why do you feel you need to drink? Are you drinking Mm -hmm. to relax? Are you drinking to have fun? But as you just mentioned, I, I do feel for people that truly believe they can only have fun if they have alcohol, because Mm. I don't know, I mean, you, Mammy, I'm super fun. And I don't, and I still, I mean, that was a concern of mine when I first quit drinking, though. I remember I had a wedding, an upcoming wedding, and thinking, how am I going to go to a wedding and not have any wine at the wedding? Absolutely, for sure. And then, you know, one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, it just, it's natural to me now. Yeah. Yeah. So you alluded to how do I host a party and not have alcohol? Is that mm-hmm. something that you can do now? Can you have a dinner party and not serve alcohol? Yes, actually, I had one on Saturday. And actually, a girlfriend of mine brought a new non-alcoholic liqueur called Cedars, Cedars Wild or something with a tonic water. And she said at the market near her house here in Calgary, the Bridgeland Market, they had an entire mocktail booth set up with different non-alcoholic liqueurs and mixes. And like recipes to how to make cocktails. So she brought it into my house, which I thought was Aww. a really great hostess gift for sure. Yeah. I mean, people struggle with that too, especially when I first quit drinking. They're like, can I drink around you? Is it okay mm-hmm. if I still drink? And I think I like to put an emphasis on having both. My husband mm-hmm. loves scotch. My husband does like to drink. But as a pilot, if he's working, he obviously can't drink for the majority of the month. And so we have a lot of non-alcoholic 
liqueurs and drinks in our house oftentimes. And the market really has expanded there as well. I mean, eight years ago, your option was, and that was really frustrating for me going to a restaurant and they'd be like, you can have pop or water. Yeah. I would like to have something other than water too, but I, I find there are a lot more options now. I think you almost have to have that psychological safe space to have conversations with people around mm-hmm. your comfort levels with alcohol as well. Cause I think yeah. it depends who's the dinner party for, you know? Right. Yeah. Do you feel okay if people want to drink around you or is your preference they don't? No. Yeah. It's totally fine. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Like these are pieces of understanding. Yeah. Now, one piece of feedback that I heard was that when you have a happy hour, and the only drinks getting passed around are alcoholic drinks, it can make people who don't drink feel like, well, where's my option? How do you feel about happy hours? Yeah, I really enjoy and I've seen some events do this recently, especially when I'm involved in the planning, I really push to have even just one mocktail on the menu, especially when you're socializing and say everyone else is drinking. It's still nice to just have a drink in your hand too, because if I'm walking around with water, it does open and maybe some people are not as comfortable as I am talking about not drinking or maybe someone's pregnant and they haven't told people yet or yeah. whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, It's really no one's business, but if you don't have a drink in your hand and everyone else does at a social setting, it really leaves that door open for people to kind of judge or ask questions. And I think really having some sort of non-alcoholic option on the menu is really inclusive. Yeah. Got it. Okay. When it comes to like happy hour with your friends or Mm -hmm. socializing in like the mom world, we spoke about, Mm -hmm. you know, mommies equal wine or Mm -hmm. bad days equal margaritas. What are your suggestions or substitutions that you have found personally that you sub out wine? And is it still a drink or is it something completely different? Um, I think early on in my sobriety, I still felt that need during happy hours or any you know, get togethers with my friends to ensure that I had a drink. So mm. I went through a lot of different phases. Honestly, Steph, I made a bunch of different iced teas from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I probably tried every mocktail on the planet too. But I think as time and also probably with age too, I felt less of a need to really have that, have a drink in my hand when everyone else does. Again, I, I encourage my friends. I have had a lot of people come to me, you know, I think maybe my brother, mother, sister, friend, whoever might have a problem with alcohol. And at the end of the day, no one can accept help for anything unless you actually want it. So I think it's really Mm -hmm. important. And I've mentioned this to many of my friends to think about why you drink, you know, what is the reason behind it? Do we absolutely have to have a drink right now? Or can we just socialize and be friends and, and hang out together without having to have that, you know, Mm -hmm. It, it really opens the door to more conversations. Yeah, that feels like a mic drop moment, Um, a moment that we pause and say, why are you drinking what you're drinking? And there's so many pieces that are socially acceptable over others. You know, it's like, it's okay to drink, but it's not okay to do something else or it's okay to eat this and it's not okay to eat that. First of all, who are we to judge? Mm -hmm. It's everyone's own opinion. And are we each asking ourselves the question of why am I eating this? Why am I driving this car? Why am I drinking what I'm drinking? Like, why are we consciously making these choices? 
Yeah, it's a number. So is it yeah. are you mindlessly scrolling on Instagram? Are you absolutely kinds of food? Are yeah. you picking up edibles at the weed store? Whatever it may be, what is your yeah. number? And what are you yeah. what are you trying to numb from? Hmm. What is your number and what are you trying to numb from? Oh, hmm. yes. Because you know, when I think of happy hour. I actually think there's nothing happy about it is my own two cents. And I get that this is just me. And so this might not be a popular opinion and it might not be so wonderful Mm -hmm. yet. I don't really leave happy hour feeling happier because Mm -hmm. happy hour typically means eating enough food that would be a meal yet. You don't consider it a meal. So you're Mm -hmm. like over consuming. Mm -hmm. You are drinking and you're probably over drinking because apparently drinks are cheaper Mm -hmm. and really I never go to happy hour by myself Mm -hmm. I'm always going because I want to be with my friends girlfriends you know I want to socialize so I really flipped the script to say I would rather have a picnic I'd rather Mm -hmm. be outside and you can eat whatever you want and do whatever you want when you're picnicking there's Mm -hmm. no preconceived notions of what needs to be included in a picnic If it's raining, which it often does on the West Coast, my favorite happy hour is a mani-pedi. Let's go get our nails done. It's so fun. You leave feeling great and you can go do whatever you want. Or a walk. Like we walk so much. Yes. And even meetings, if I'm having one-on-one meetings with people, sometimes I'll put it towards the end of my day, 3.30 or 4, and then we'll go for a walk for an hour. You Again, you come back, so you feel great. way better. You've been yeah. sitting all day at a desk. Yeah. Now you're getting up, you're moving, you come back, you feel better, you're energized, you want to eat something healthy and feel yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of substitutions there. And I don't think we always recognize substitutions. So it's mm-hmm. like... Instead of bringing a drink to a dinner party, you bring flowers, you bring a plant, you can bring dessert and you can make dessert healthy. You can bring something for their dog. There's a a dog treat. Tell me. There's there's a game called table topics. Have you heard of it? Of course. I love it. I bring that as a gift often to people because there's couples edition or family, whatever you want. Yeah. But it's 20 bucks. It's a perfect perfect hostess gift. Yeah. Yeah, Bring a game. So I appreciate this in our social setting. And what I appreciate so much is that we can have this conversation specifically in a professional setting. And so I think that if you are leading a team and what is Mm -hmm. team building, I think in the world of DEI, something we're not thinking of often enough are who are the people that may not be like us? Who are the mm-hmm. people that might not eat or drink like us when you're planning that summer company barbecue, you're planning the, you know, holiday dinner, how do we celebrate birthdays? And mm-hmm. I mean, my last name is Corker. I've lived for the pop of a cork. I'm actually mm-hmm. a trained sommelier. And I think wine is a beautiful wow. thing. Amazing. And I would love to find a substitution for pop and corks and yeah. a substitution that pops the cork on like what else is there? And so I hope that this conversation helps remind people there are always other options to help everyone feel like they truly have a seat at the table as we go into, you know, coming off of this pandemic and Zoom life. What does it mean to socialize and and be together? And I love that you just brought up as a leader as well, because when we think of DEI, there are so many Mm -hmm. ways that we think about being inclusive, but you're right. And I mean, of course, we think of asking if someone's vegan or gluten free, but I mean, there's, yeah, but there are so many different ways for us to really ensure that we're 
thinking of other people and really showing that we're, we're showing up for them as well. Yeah. So I have two pieces that I want to leave on. And the first is your piece of advice for someone who thinks they may be using a number and let's call it alcohol or whatever it is. What is step one? You mentioned, you know, it's one foot in front of the other. What's the first foot? I think if you think that you may have an issue, like I said, just realistically trying to regulate yourself is probably the first thing. So if you are trying to slow down or stop and you find that you can't, then I think you need to put your hand up and admit that you need help. Because I think like most things in life, especially things with a heavy lift, you need to be surrounded by people. We're not meant to do this entire world by ourselves. We definitely need Mm -hmm. people around us. So finding someone that you can confide in, that you have that psychological safe space that you can say, listen, I think I need some help here. I think that that would be the first foot. Mm, Yes. My hand is up. I need Mm -hmm. help. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then the second question, and it's the last question that we end every podcast with, and it used to be what is making your heart beat faster. Mm. And you can answer that if you wish, because it's still one of my favorites. Yet, I'm also really curious about a goal you're working on for 2022 um, oh, and yeah. something that's top of your heart right now, if you'd be up for sharing that. Mm, I actually joined your goal club. Um, <sighs> so signed up. Yes, I'm excited for it. So you've got me thinking about what I'm going to be setting. But I think realistically, it's for now, for me, I actually just coming back from W North, I did not slow down. I had another conference to go to, went to the Oilers game, Flames game, all this stuff did not slow down. And then I got bronchitis. And mm-hmm. so I think really after hearing that burnout is setting mm-hmm. ourselves on fire to keep other people warm, I need to figure out what I'm doing for myself. I'm often mm-hmm. trying to be everything for my kids and for everyone else. One of my core values, thank you, Brene Brown, is making a difference. And so I'm running around trying to really leave my impact on this world. And I think just trying to focus on myself and finding what rest looks like for me. Beautiful. Well, April, I appreciate your big heart and that you're so open to having a conversation like this. And I feel like our worlds will collide and I hope it's at a happy hour that (laughs) may look a little bit different. And I look forward to, you know, how we get to be in the world because of conversations like these. So thank you so, so much. Thanks, Steph.